Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. I'm here with Zach Rizzuto. We are going over everything that happened in week seven. A lot going on. Unfortunately, a lot of injuries. This was a very injury-plagued week, especially the later window. Really I feel was. like just just in that later window, like on on the eastern on the eastern eastern time zone, like between four and seven o'clock, there was like four or five knee injuries, dude. Right, yeah. just like overall, like not. I mean, offensive players, defensive players, like it, it was it was a weird weird week. Um, and, and you know, like the first thing is just like, dude. You know, you see Brees Hall, you know, yeah. hit that hole. He's I knew running, that was coming. And, and you're just like, <laughs> man, like a mate, like he looks so, so good. And you're like, all right, well, that's it. And you, you go on Twitter, everybody's just declaring him Dynasty RB1, Dynasty RB1, Dynasty mm-hmm. RB1. And, you know, everyone's excited about it. And then, and then you see the injury and you're just like, man, that's so unfortunate. It's so unfortunate that one- because. Yeah. And you think about it, you're like, wait, like, can I even invest in him in 2023? Right? Like the year yeah. post ACL. You're just like, is this going to be like a JK long? Dobbins situation? Yeah. Something like oh, I that. hope not. I hope not. <laughs> I, I know this one hits especially hard. You know, this one really hits home as a Jets fan yourself. They did, they did finish the day five and two. So there's they your did. consolation prize. But they did. You know, Brees Hall was a big reason why. You know? <laughs> he so, was. It, it was the Jets that the Jets do, right? They run the ball. They were running it really well with Brees Hall, and they were playing good defense. And you know this defense can only do so much when if if they're gonna they're gonna have to depend on Zach Wilson. So yeah. you know Zach Wilson doing ballerina moves in the backfield and like spinning around, doing all this stuff, and you're just like, yo, what is this guy doing back there? <laughs> you know, and yeah, I'm just hoping that they they can figure it out. You know, scheme up these wide receivers to help him out a little bit. Um, you know, Corey Davis getting hurt too doesn't help. You know, it seems like he might have an MCL injury. He might be out for a little bit. So Elijah, it's going to be the Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson show. Uh, second year and first year uh, wide receivers, you know, to hopefully try to get this offense going a little bit. Right. Yeah, it just sucks to see Brees Hall go down. You know, really I, I was I was very upset at that just from as a fantasy player. You know what I'm saying? Let's it, hope that, you know, they did preliminary tests. The preliminary tests are, are they suggest an ACL tear. Mm-hmm. nothing official just yet as of right now it's noon you know on, on the east in the eastern time zone nothing we'll, yet but we'll probably get something during the show so we'll, we'll update most, that most as it comes in i think if it shows up most likely all right all right well let's, let's move on to, to the overall review here tom brady and the bucks man like what is going on there that right like yeah mike evans chris godwin right like they're getting it done like for fantasy, like for the most part, like their ceilings are higher than what they've been doing. But Brady, you know, just isn't throwing touchdowns right now. And this offense got limited to three points by the Panthers. Yeah, by the Panthers. You know, this is the franchise that's supposed to be tanking. They just traded away CMC. And I, this was the surprising outcome of the afternoon, even over the Packers and the Commanders. 
You know, this one was just like, what is going on? Because we said about it uh, last week during the, on a couple podcast episodes, we said, you know, rarely do you get a reload like Tampa Bay had after they play a banged up Pittsburgh team and you get to reload with Carolina who's tanking and you lose both games and you lose both of them pretty convincingly. You know, you get beat pretty good. I mean, I guess, yeah, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, they're doing all right. You know, they don't have touchdowns. They're producing despite there not being any touchdowns, which is really the silver lining that you can pull out of this game. Outside of that, there wasn't much. Um, Leonard Fournette was a non-factor. Rashad White was a non-factor. Just the offense, you know, it doesn't look anything like a Tom Brady offense, or at least what we've seen in the past two seasons with him in Tampa Bay. And there were questions coming into the game, obviously, about whether the offense could be sustained, but I wasn't expecting three points on the day. Yeah, it's it's not looking good for this offense. Tom Brady's not looking like himself. I don't know what's going on, man. Like the Panthers just look like the better team, right? And this is a couple weeks in a row now. And this entire this offense has not put up the type of numbers that you're expecting from them, right? With two star wide receivers, with Tom Brady as your quarterback. You know, it's very disappointing. So, you know, you gotta you gotta downgrade this offense at this point, right? If they can't yeah. get it done against the Steelers the week before. They can't get it done against the Panthers yesterday. Like, you got to downgrade these guys. Like, which defense are they going to be able to get it done against? Right? It's right. it's it's not not looking good for them right now. So, Tom Brady right now, you know, we've we've been ranking him in the top 10, but, you know, he only had maybe – I, I got to check, actually, how many top 10 performances he's actually had. I don't think, I think it's he's been had many. many. Maybe it's been one. If I'm not mistaken, let me let me just do. I think a quick... it's the one week against Kansas City in garbage time. I think that's it. right. He has an right. off chance. I think you know he finished with I think just short of 20 points in week five against Atlanta. That's right. That's what yeah. it was. So it was basically those two weeks. Outside yeah. of those two weeks, he hasn't got it done. He's he has hardly even been a Q, QB two. Yeah, and this this is Tom Brady. You know, you don't want to say age is catching up to him, but it just doesn't look the same. We know the whole thing with Giselle going on. We're gonna leave that. It's gonna happen at some point. Yeah, right? like Tom Brady, like he, he's, like, you know, we, we've been we've been talking about, you know, the the uh, what did Russell Wilson call it? What, what kind yeah. of blood do you have again? Wolverine blood. Wolverine like, blood. Yeah. Tom Brady, like he doesn't have that, right? He's not no. gonna be able to last forever. It's <laughs> there's gonna be the drop off at some point. Maybe we're seeing it right now. M- maybe I I'm not you know. I suggested it. I'm not exactly sure that's it exactly. There's been a lot going on, obviously, outside off the outside the game, off the field with Tom Brady. But um, the whole offense just didn't look good. The team doesn't look good. Um, you know, he is – is he 45? Is he going to be 46 soon? Like, he's he, he's old. You know, it's funny that we're that's talking old. about, like, we're finally – we're surprised to see Tom Brady declining at age 45. It's like, no. <laughs> I don't think this is a decline just yet. You know, I'm still going to give him the benefit of the doubt because it is Tom Brady. But he's a one-dimensional quarterback at this point who is having trouble scoring touchdowns. From a fantasy perspective, in a fantasy vacuum, like if his name wasn't Tom Brady, you wouldn't be starting him. It's true. You know? It's true. All right, moving on. We talked about Corey Davis with this MCL injury already. You know, we'll see what the Jets end up doing there. And if targets end up going Elijah Moore's way, if targets end up going, you know, Garrett Wilson's way, right? These two guys, like we said, Elijah Moore, if they if these guys were dropped, just just make sure they're rostered. You know, yeah. if they start passing the ball a little bit more, they could see some value. Um, all right, let's move on to the Panthers' backfield. I want to talk about this situation because, you know, Christian McCaffrey obviously was traded to the 40, 49ers, uh, and then the Panthers, right? They have Chuba Harvard. They have Deontay Foreman. 
So I kind of want to break down how, you know, this backfield, you know, uh, kind of divided touches, right? Mm-hmm. Chuba Har- Hubbard started the game. He was the main back in this offense. Um, he hurt his ankle at the start of the fourth quarter, and that's really when Foreman, you know, started to get a lot of his touches. So he outsnapped Foreman 22 to 14, and he outcarried him 8 to 4 in the first three quarters. Okay. Once he got hurt, Deontay Foreman went off and he ended up with 15 carries for 118 yards uh, and two catches for 27 yards. Right. Yeah. Um, and then Hubbard ended up doing really good himself, nine for 63 and a touchdown and two catches for 10 yards you know, on three targets. So both of these guys did their thing. You know, we're talking about the Bucks offense, but the Bucks defense also didn't really show up. Right. They let PJ Walker throw the ball. They let DJ Mark, DJ Moore, have his first good game of the year, right? Yeah. Um, so what do you what are you making out of this Panthers backfield? Is this a situation where you know we can potentially get some fantasy value out of one of these guys, out of both of these guys? Are you avoiding? Are you selling? How are you looking at the situation? So the, it's what we saw, I think, was best case scenario for this Panthers offense. I wasn't expecting this type of performance at all. <laughs> you know, I don't anticipate this type of performance again. You know, PJ Walker played clean football, threw two touchdowns. One of them ended up going to DJ Moore. All of the guys that were supposed to be contributing at the start of the season were contributing yesterday. And that I don't think is going to continue because before this past game, just yesterday, Christian McCaffrey was the only fantasy relevant player. But now you take that work that was going to Christian McCaffrey. There was one fantasy relevant player that you could lean on and split it between two guys and Deontay Foreman and Juba Hubbard. Um, that doesn't really spell fantasy reliable, like reliable fantasy asset to me. I look at Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard. They both did their things. I, I think Chuba Hubbard, like you said, you know, you look at the box score, it won't tell you who was actually the starter and getting the most work. Chuba Hubbard's the guy. I think Chuba Hubbard's really the guy to have rostered over Deontay Foreman. But I think both have the chance to contribute on a weekly basis. It could go either way. Um, with DJ Moore, I, I'm not sure. You know, if he's going to be able to continue to produce like this, PJ Walker, I think, looked uncharacteristically good against the Buccaneers. I don't think that you're going to be playing against teams. You know, the Buccaneers, they on paper, they're a good team, but they were playing unmotivated football coming into it because they're on a slump. Um, they got, you know, the deepest valley of this um, Buccaneers downfall so far, yeah. and it worked out for the Panthers in that way. I wouldn't trust this production to continue each week, but I'm definitely encouraged, you know, I'm not at the point where, you know, a week after, not a week, yeah, a couple of days after we put out that post about the Panthers offense being a dumpster fire and DJ Moore just fanning the flames, you know what I'm <laughs> oh, uh, Just a couple of days after we put that out, suddenly the Panthers offense looks, you know, competent. Um, I'm not expecting that post to age not well outside of this week. I think that post is still accurate. I think it's still going to be a rough riding for the Panthers offense. But this is just, you know, something to hang your hat on as a Panthers fan. You have a win. <laughs> 10 targets for DJ Moore, uh, seven for 69 and a touchdown. Maybe PJ Walker's good for DJ Moore. I guess anybody outside of Baker Mayfield can be good for, for better for DJ Moore. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think I agree with you. You know, if, if Chuba Hubbard, you know, what they said, uh, was that they're going to go with both of these guys, you know, they're going to, they're going to have a timeshare and then we're going to ride the hot hand. Right. Yeah. And you know, do you think that Deontay Foreman, the way that he closed out the game, 15 for 118, do you think he potentially ha- it has the hot hand right now over Chuba Hubbard? 
I don't think either of them have the hot hand, you know. Not yet. Not yet. I think they're both good. You know, this is a situation where you have two running backs that are going to be able to contribute. And obviously, these guys aren't up to the caliber of the guys I'm about to compare them to. But it looked almost like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, you know, the way that they were being used. Because they're both going to get their carries. They're both going to be liable to score a touchdown. You know, I think one is clearly better than the other. I think Chuba Hubbard would be my pick. You know, the way he was used to start the game looked like he was more of the primary back. But I think either of them are liable to have a good week for you. So there's no problem with them being rostered at all. And no problem with them being started at flex or a low-end RB2 if you need them. But I don't think that the upside is going to be there for either either of one or the other to overtake each other in this backfield. I think that it's going to be, you know, split relatively evenly with, you know, touches going one way if one player has a big day. I don't think it's going to be something that where, you know, Deontay Foreman is going to um, gain momentum and be the primary back for three weeks in a row. It's going to go back and forth. I, I, week if, I, if I can, you know, Deontay Foreman is a perfect player to throw in a in a trade, like as like the side piece of, a, of an offer that you're yeah. trying to get somebody. Like if you're trying to trade for somebody, Deontay Foreman throwing that in there, it's like, ooh, okay. Yeah. I can consider this deal because he had 145 yards. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, and people might think that he's won this job. People might think that he's the guy over Chuba Hubbard and not realizing that, you know, Hubbard was, was the guy to start, start the game. And even Hubbard, like I'm fine trading him away too. you know, either one, like, I don't think there's going to be, unless one of these guys get hurt, like for real, like I don't, it doesn't seem like Chuba Hubbard's ankle injury is serious. He, he might be back next week. Um, you know, so like, you know, if both these guys are healthy, I don't, expect this offense to do what they did against the against the bucks um no. so on a weekly you know. basis yeah yeah no with exactly. deontay foreman and chuba hubbard you know you talk about trading them I'd, I'd say they have identical trade value right now especially after the games they just put up sure chuba yeah. hubbard scored a few less points but it's exactly the same you look at their stat lines they're very similar oh, that's right and chuba got the touchdown too so yeah i'd right. argue chuba hubbard you know his stat line looks even a little bit better than deontay foreman's because there was no yeah touchdown for Deontay Foreman but Deontay Foreman had more carries so it's like it works both ways now both of them have enough value you just broke CMC and took him down his the value in this Panthers offense is now in the two running backs and they're both split very equally so this I is think the best that, case scenario if you have them right because yeah what could have happened is that the Panthers look like the Panthers they both stink and now you have dead weight on your bench you don't want to start them next week and then on top of that you can't trade them so you're yeah. thinking about cutting them so now they do their thing, and you're like, okay, well, now I have some ammo. So this entire week, I would just be throwing these guys into some trades and trying to figure out what I can get. Two for ones, two for ones, two for ones. I'll try every yeah. team. Absolutely, okay. 100%. All right. So there's one quarterback who is absolutely playing out of his mind right now, <laughs> and that's yeah. Joe Burrow. Right? Yeah. 481 passing yards, three touchdowns through the air, one on the ground again for the second week in a row. Um no, Jamar Chase was hurt during the game. He did come back in. Uh, he seems like he's fine. Maybe he reaggravated that hip injury that he's he was kind of, you know, suffering from this week. But um, mm-hmm. let's talk about Tyler Boyd too, man. Eight catches for 155 yards and a touchdown. Like he's had some good games this year. Yeah. So let me ask you a question first. Let's talk about Tyler Boyd before we go back to Joe Burrow. What is Tyler Boyd right now? What is he rest of season? Is he a top 36 fantasy wide receiver? The way Joe Burrow's playing. Maybe, you know, that's what I look at it. Um, I, I don't think that he's going to have this type of week every week, but he's going to be fantasy relevant for you regardless, as long as this Bengals offense continues to look the way it looks. I think Tyler Boyd, you know, he's been a good option in the receiving game. The offense has just been in a funk. And now 
you know, the offense looks like it's out of that funk. It's looking really good. And with Jamar Chase pulling coverage and T. Higgins on the field, you know, Tyler Boyd, he's benefiting from drawing some plus matchups on the outside. I, I think Tyler Boyd could be a top 36 wide receiver. I would have no problem starting him as a wide receiver three with upside or a wide receiver two in a pinch. You know, I, I'm, you, I'm okay you know with this, that. You know what this kind of reminds me of? Like, remember when Aaron Rodgers was like, Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. He was like doing his thing. Like you were starting every wide receiver. Like you were starting Jory Nelson. You were starting Randall Cobb. You were starting Donald Driver. You were starting, you know, you were starting all these guys. Yeah. Right. And it didn't even matter um, like who was on the field. But like when you have these talented wide receivers with a guy who's just straight slinging it right now with Joe Burrow, all these guys are fantasy relevant. So if Burrow yeah. can, I mean, he's not going to pass for almost 500 yards every week, obviously. No. Um, but, you know, he's averaging like 400 yards passing over the last two weeks. Um, but, which is crazy. Yeah, but you look at it as like, you know, you look at all the Bengals receivers, the worst performing receiver out of the big three, you know, between Chase Boyd and Higgins was Higgins, and he still had 14 points. You know, so it's right. like, you're not upset with that if you started him. No. I mean, maybe when I mean, you look at the rest of the receivers, you're like, okay, why can't one of those touchdown passes go to T. Higgins, <laughs> you know? That right. might frustrate you a little bit, but at the end of the day, you're not like hung out to dry. Like you're, you're fine starting any of these guys, and you're going to have the upside that we just saw you know, today, uh, not today, yesterday, with Chase going for 33. And Tyler Boyd, essentially, you know, 29.5 is pretty much a 30-point performance. So, is, is Joe Burrow just locked into the top five at this point right now, rest of the season, for fantasy? I At, at this point where he's on the streak that he's on, maybe we rank him top five. We have to rank him above, above Herbert, rest of the yeah. season, as okay. of right now. Yeah, so right? I'll, I'll, I will give you that. I'm looking at Joe Burrow's matchup next. It's Cleveland. So I think that you're going to lock him in as a top five, you know, for this week on Thursday when we do the quarterback and running back rankings episode. I don't think there's any reason you could keep him out of the top five. So we have, I feel like Lamar is obviously in the top five every single week, right? Yeah. Even though um, he's been on a slump. Even though he's been on a slump. Josh Allen, he's in the top five, obviously. Um, I guess we'll have Mahomes there. Yeah. Right. After Mahomes, who do you have? I'm trying to think. I, I would say like Kyler Murray, but no. <laughs> um, I feel like it, it has to be Joe Burrow. It could be Joe Burrow. But yeah. Are you talking rest of season? Are you just talking about rest next of season. week? Rest, rest of season. season? No, okay. No, no, yeah, maybe Joe Burrow. Maybe Joe Burrow. I, I think that might be it. And, and I'm thinking about, you know, the, like, kind of like the top five default that you kind of start out with every single week. You know what I'm saying? And like, yeah, you know, maybe you, maybe you knock these guys out of the top five based on their matchup. But the way Joe Burrow is playing right now, he's going to be top five every yeah, single I, week. That that's the only way. I mean, <laughs> this is two back to back. I mean, this was close to forty point performance yesterday, and a healthy thirty point, oh, well over thirty point performance um, a week ago. So I, I think that this offense, you know, you talked about them moving faster, running more plays, and going nuclear um, in the off season. It's starting to look that way. Joe Burrow right now, he is uh, he's averaging 24.55 fantasy points a game. This is in four-point pass touchdown scoring. That's RB. Oh, I'm sorry, Jalen Hurts. We forgot about Jalen Hurts. So Jalen Hurts would be top two, top three every single week, right? So yeah, we forgot about him. So he, he would be there, right? So it's like Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, um, Lamar Jackson, and then probably Joe Burrow would be right after that. Yeah. It's That's amazing what, what recency bias will do to get you to forget about Jalen Hurts. <laughs> I, I just forgot that he he's on by you know he, he had a, he <laughs> he's had on a, by right now he had a decent week the heading into the bye you know yeah. it'll, it'll help you forget but 
Yeah. I had to look at the the, the quarterback. I was thinking, to remind me of him. Yeah. I was thinking we were missing somebody. I'm like, we're going to get flamed. Yeah, I, I, I got something in the comments. You know, I know, right? I, like, I see Stephen A. Smith man? is hanging around in the comments. <laughs> it looks like <laughs> Stephen that. Nice, nice. That's awesome, man. Um, by the way, just, just, this is just a random side note. So, so we're we're partnered with a podcasting company called uh, Odyssey, and uh, Stephen A. Smith's podcast, like he has a lifestyle podcast. He's also partnered with Odyssey. He just signed with them, uh, like maybe a month ago or something like that. So it's not a oh, sports man. podcast. He can't do sports podcasts because because of the fact that. You know he's signed to ESPN, yeah. uh, but he does work with Odyssey, which is kind of cool. That's just a random, random side effect. So, Steve, so I'm glad Stephen Smith is in the chat here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so let's move. Let's move on from this Bengals offense. We could talk about this offense all day, but let's move to the Cowboys. Tony Pollard he outsnapped Zeke for the first time this year, 63% of the snaps. Now Zeke did hurt his knee. Seemed like he hurt his knee uh, with only two minutes left to go in the first half. And then got the first carry for the Cowboys in the second half, so it, he wasn't out for that long, uh, right. worth of game time. They had some red zone packages for Pollard, right? Like mm-hmm. he got some carries inside the five, he got some snaps inside the ten. So that's very easy, right? Like they did bring Zeke in when they were like at the half yard line, at the one yard line. Zeke came in the came in, uh, but Pollard is being used around there as well, which is very encouraging for his fantasy value on those plays. Tony Pollard was on the field. Yeah. And he was just running motion. Like they ran the same play two times in a row. I don't know if you saw that. I, um, oh, to, trust me, I did. <laughs> to get Zeke <laughs> in. And they, they converted. If they didn't convert, that would have been a huge conversation right there. That they ran the exact same play two plays in a row. But, yeah. um, you know, Pollard had 14 total opportunities to Zeke's 15. Uh, he's clearly the better back between the two at this point. 83 yards and 12 carries compared to Zeke's 57 yards on 15 carries. There are things Zeke does better than Pollard, but at this point, you just got to get Pollard more touches. Yeah, what Zeke does better than Pollard is not fantasy relevant. It's called pass blocking right? <laughs> and picking up the blitz, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's why Ezekiel Elliott's going to stay on the field. But it's looking like, you know, they're not favoring one back over the other right now. It seems like they're truly just, you know, keep rotating them in and out to keep them fresh. As soon as you get Ezekiel Elliott tired, he's huffing and puffing. Rotate in a fresh Tony Pollard. When he's huffing a puppy, you put Ezekiel Elliott back in. It's like, okay. There's no really like tail of the tape to see how they're using them. Both of them are getting touches at the goal line. Both of them are getting touches in the red zone. Both of them are both of them are getting touches touches at the opening of drives. You know, there's no really way to analyze it. It's just who's going to have the better game. I think the way it's going to be is Zeke moving forward because every time he, they just like deliver him to the goal line and he's getting those touchdowns now all of a sudden. And he didn't look bad. You know, Zeke didn't look bad. He he just doesn't look like Tony Pollard. Um, you know, the run game is obviously a focus right now. I think that as, you know, the time moves forward and Dak gets healthier, you know, obviously he's, he's back and he looked better than he did in the first week. Um, as the offense gets rolling a little bit, the passing game becomes more useful. I think we could start to see Tony Pollard kind of become, you know, a bigger piece of the puzzle. But as things stand right now, you know, neither is more valuable than the other. It's a true 50-50, it seems like, right now. That's what it seems like. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on to Detroit, their opponent. Amon Ra St. Brown suffered a concussion in this game right at the start of the game. Um, you know, traded for him in a couple leagues last week, and then, you know, I was excited. Touting <laughs> that to, one. For Look him to I play. <laughs> I was like, hey, I got Amon Ra in a couple leagues, and then all of a sudden, boom. First catch of the game. 
he gets barely grazed and he gets he gets thrown out of the game for for a concussion he looked fine to me i'm not a doctor but like hey man he looked perfectly fine he could have came back in the game but whatever man what, yeah. what are you gonna do um it was but, like uh, just, it was like yeah, he go got grazed by a forearm you know and he stood up and he ran off the field it's like if you're sitting there on the bench you're like all right i don't look like tua you <laughs> know come on let me no, back man. on the field seriously dude like and he was like he was confused he's like what like why am i out of this game right now um right but you know hopefully he can pass concussion protocol uh this week with the new rules you never know like he might end up missing another game that would suck hopefully mm-hmm. he'll be back though so just keep an eye on his status through the protocol this week moving on to the ravens gus edwards was the guy for them without jk dobbins it was not Kenyon drake it was not justice hill so uh edwards is a low-end running back too going forward he's gonna be touchdown dependent um this is a good offense to be touchdown dependent on right yeah 16 carries 66 yards two touchdowns he he did all of that on only 36 percent of snaps uh so you know you can't depend on him. These other running backs are going to be involved. I would expect his snap share to increase a little bit, you know, as he comes back, continues to, you know, get better off of that ACL. The yeah. reason why I like Gus Edwards at this moment more than I liked J.K. Dobbins several weeks ago when he got his two touchdowns, and I told you to sell high on J.K. Dobbins, is because we knew that Gus Edwards was going to come back at some point and then be a big part of the rotation so that it would be very hard to trust J.K. Dobbins. Right. Yeah. Uh, and we knew that J.K. Dobbins also had a ceiling on the amount of touches that he was going to get. Well, we didn't know that, but we assumed that he that w- he had a ceiling on those touches. And that kind of came to fruition, you know, after the, the, the games, after that two touchdown game that he had. Um, but now J.K. Dobbins doesn't have as much competition. Right. Kenyon Drake came in and averaged 0.5 yards per carry in this game. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. brutal in a good after- matchup. After he averaged like a monster amount per carry, he ripped off that's like who three 20 Kenyon, yard runs. <laughs> that's who Kenyon Drake is. It's either yeah. big play or nothing, mm-hmm. right? That's literally him. That's who he's been his entire career. And that's part of the reasons why coaches, you know, not, are not a big fan of Kenyon Drake because, like, dude, like, just take what's there. He's always trying to make, you know, get the big play. And it, it works sometimes. And that's why you've seen him, you know, rip off some big gains before, but not a running back coach's you know, pet student. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what to say there. Um, no, I hear you. But, but yeah, no, Gus Edwards, like, I think, you know, touchdown dependent, but, you know, good offense. So moving forward, I, I would, you know, he could be in lineups, but just know that if he doesn't score a touchdown, you're probably looking at five or six points for that one. Yeah. Week. With Gus Edwards, you know, it's good to be touchdown dependent on the Ravens offense as a running back more than it is to be touchdown dependent as a receiver. So you do have that going for you if you have Gus Edwards. And, um, you know, chances are you might have picked him up just on the waiver wire. You know, so to have him as a decent fill-in start, you know, I, I think that there's nothing wrong with what he did yesterday. I, I'm okay with the way he produced, even though it was only 16 carries. Kenny Drake had 11 carries quietly. You know, we talked about him averaging a horrific yeah. amount. But he had 11 carries. So he's not – got. they don't – I don't think they have Gus Edwards clearly. and They don't think he's back 100% just yet. But, um, yeah, I, I think you touched on that. But as he gets – going moving forward as it gets even healthier and healthier i think that he'll continue to produce i think he'll be cl- as close to a clear rb1 in this backfield as we've seen you know even over jk dobbins even though it's, it's not necessarily going to be you know bonafide rb1 he's going to have all the work 
but I think that it's going to be, you know, enough that you can start him, you know, pretty confidently that he'll have a decent workload and he won't be as touchdown dependent as we move forward, unless JK Dobbins comes back earlier than we anticipate. Guess so. J, so Gus Edwards had 16 carries in this game. First game back from an ACL tear. Guess what J.K. Dobbins' career high in carries is for his career. I don't have those numbers pulled up. I don't want to sound like an idiot, but I'm going to go with eight. <laughs> no, no, no. What What is J.K. Dobbins' career high in carries in one game? Yeah, college, college no, no, two no, or no, NFL? No, just just NFL. His career high in carries is it sixteen? Single game. It's fifteen. It's fifteen. <laughs> it's fifteen. All right, well, there you go. So Gus Edwards had one more carry than J.K. Dobbins has ever had in his first game back from an ACL tear. That's that's just unbelievable to me. Like, did, yeah, that's true. Did J.K. Dobbins never have like? Was he never worth more than fifteen carries? You know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. like, come on, man. You know. So anyway, you know, when J.K. Dobbins is back, you know, he could potentially get back into this rotation. But I think Gus Edwards is still going to be valuable at that point uh, because it's going to be a 1A, 1B situation that could potentially flip-flop back and forth. Yeah. That's kind of how I see it. Um, your uh, Zach, you, your camera's bugging out right now. Yeah, here. Can you still uh, hear me or no? I still hear you. Oh, you're back. I see you. What's up, buddy? All right. we're, yeah, we're, my computer is, um, you know, breathing heavy right now. Oh, is it really? Going. So, yeah, it's 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 having a rough go if it's going through going yeah. through it right now. But I I'm think you should be all right. you just fine. Yeah, as long as you can good. hear me, you know. I mean, it's all right I, if the stream goes a little, if I'm a little bit not here. But, you know, I want the audio game. to be there. <laughs> in that same game on the other side, uh, David Njoku, he was seen in a walking boot and crutches after the game. He does have an ankle injury. It's not great that he was in crutches and a walking boot after the game. Um, <laughs> no. They're saying that it's not a serious ankle injury. It's good, but like, you know, that's not like two signs. Walking, walking boot, crutches. That's not great. Um, I'm guessing he'll miss a game at least. Uh, we'll see if it's a high ankle sprain or not. I'm sure they'll they'll do more tests on that. Um, but we'll see how that goes. But he's been getting it done for you. Like, this is if you had Najoku and he he's gonna miss time. If he does miss time, this is a little bit of a loss for you because. He's been getting it done and being a little bit of a difference maker at the tight end position, like outside of Travis Kelsey and, you know, guys like Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews and, you know, Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz, David Njoku was like the only other guy who's kind of getting it done for you every single week. Yeah, he's been, you know, what's been really rare to find at the tight end position this year, he said, is just a solid, consistent producer. You know, you have guys that, okay, they put up 14 or 15 points a week, they turn around and throw up one. Now, he has, I think, I think at least double digit fantasy points in three or three out of the last four games. You know, he's, he's looked good, better than most tight ends. You know, if you're not named Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey outside of that, you know, he he's kind of been the guy and this yeah. is, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be as huge of a blow if the tight end, you know, landscape wasn't as bad as it is this year. But, um, you know, he, I don't think it's going to be too long for him to be out. Obviously, like you said, bad indicators, crutches, walking boot, not good, but um, I don't anticipate this being something super long term. You're just going to be right back with everybody else. So if you had David Njoku, you're probably like you know sitting pretty and looking down at the peasants who are streaming their tight ends. You know now you're with them. 
because you're going to be doing the same thing with Njoku out. But I, I wouldn't be, you know, moving for a tight end at this point because, like I said, the landscape is so bad. You know, unless you're trading for one of the high-end tight ends, um, there's really no reason to, like, move players or capital anywhere to do to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, so let's move to the Jaguars' backfield. Travis Etienne, he has officially taken over the Jaguars' backfield. He got the start last week. He got the start again this week. 80% of snaps, 14 carries, five targets. James Robinson not seeing any touches this week. Only had one target in this game. It's officially ETN season. He's your RB1 the rest of the way. Yeah, and this is kind of what we've been clamoring for the whole time on this podcast. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We've like Give him the touches and he will produce another 100-plus yard scrimmage performance from Travis ETN. Even in a game where, you know, again, Jacksonville didn't look too good. Um, obviously it was against the Giants. The Giants, I don't think are getting enough credit for what they're doing. Uh, it seems like they're pretty legit, but that's besides the fact Travis Etienne got the workload we were looking for. And he had, I think if you were watching red zone, he had the first octopus play where he scored the touchdown and the two point conversion. So that was pretty cool to see, you know, obviously they're happy using him now. It looks like they're going to get him the touches that he needs. Uh, this is kind of like, you know, the performance we saw from Kenneth Walker. The week before he blew up, you know, as he did last week. And I mean, just yesterday, um, it was a, it was a good, solid performance. I wouldn't be surprised if we see an even bigger performance from ETN next week. Yeah. And he could have had another touchdown if he didn't fumble at the two yard line. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, oh, I didn't, he was, even, he was, I didn't see that. He was, he was almost, wa- he, he was basically walking into the, he wasn't going to walk into the end zone. He probably would have got tackled mm-hmm. at like the, t- the one or two yard line. Um, but they knocked it out right as he was getting up there and it went into the end zone and it was, it was recovered by the giants. Um, So, you know, but the good, the good thing about that was that they didn't pull him after that fumble. You know, he kept on getting the work after that. So, so that's, that's what, that's a good thing for Travis Etienne and that he, he's not on a short leash right now. Um, His playmaking ability is just too important. Um, So the fact that, you know, he was, he was almost getting another touchdown. If they got to the one yard line, he probably would have got the goal line carry at that point. Um, because that's how he was being used. So yeah. short yardage situations, he was on the field as well. So that's really, really good uh, for Travis Etienne and his value moving forward. There's actually still a chance to buy him low, right? He didn't have Relatively. that 25 game performance, right? Yeah. And that his fantasy points are still suppressed. There's still a chance to buy. Similar mm-hmm. to Brees Hall a few weeks ago, right? We know that the usage was there, but the fantasy points, he just didn't quite blow up yet. And, yeah. and Travis Etienne hasn't blown up yet. So uh, I would still be, you know, I would view ETN right now as an RB1. And I think most people are not viewing him as an RB1 right now. They're viewing him as an RB2. That you know, you can start every week if you want to. No, he should be in lineups going forward. So that's how I would treat him at this point. Yeah. And James Robinson, you know, you're just talking about how he Travis ETN didn't get pulled after the fumble. He's probably punching the air, you know, at that. Because he got doghoused for fumbling all the time with Urban Meyer when he was at um, – when he was in Jacksonville. So that's just something to note for me. You know, I know James Robinson. Um, I still think he's very talented. It's just hard to compete when you have a guy like ETN, you know, in the backfield with you. It's true. And you know, you know who else is punching the air right now? Who else? Everyone who didn't sell James Robinson after week three. Yeah, no, that's true. And, and we you guys know I, to do that. You guys yeah. know I had to put that in there, right? You guys, you guys knew it was going to happen, right? I, Take I was, that okay, victory okay. lap. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I just want to, just want to know. Anyway. All right, let's move on to the Giants. Uh, you knew I was gonna go bring up Daniel Jones, right? Just, Daniel you Jones. Knew I was, you knew I was gonna do that, right? <laughs> yeah. 
202 passing yards and a touchdown through the air, 107 rushing yards and a touchdown on 11 carries. Okay. When you're in a pinch, Daniel Jones can provide you with that ceiling. And I had him ranked kind of high this week. Okay. Uh, you hated it. And I would just want to bring that up for that reason. All right. All. Yes. I know you could bring it up. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you said he, he, he has the ceiling. I think it's the floor that I'm really playing him for at this point. If I'm going to, obviously he had a really good week this week. Um, but I'm not sure he's going to be running for a hundred yards every game, even though he is, you know, quietly one of the very good running quarterbacks in the league right now, as far as production goes, it's weird because he still looks like a game manager, but he's putting up 28 points. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know what that's about. You know, 202 yards and touchdown. I, through the I, I know what it's about. He's not a good quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> that's, no, that's, what, what, I'm that's saying. what it's about. So it's like it's like it feels so wrong because you know he he looks like a game manager. He, he he plays like a game manager. He produces like a game manager, but he's putting up all these fantasy points. He's like a premium game manager and a fantasy relevant well, one. <laughs> he has sixty eight yards rushing in week four with two touchdowns. He has seventy nine yards rushing against the Cowboys in week three, and he just put up one hundred seven rushing yards with a touchdown against Jacksonville. So. If he can put, if he can throw a touchdown and run for like 50 yards, run one in, you're looking at a 25, 20, 30 point ceiling right there. Yeah. From your quarterback. So and, he's not an every week start by any means, but as a QB2, sure. Why not? Superflex leagues? Why not? Yeah. And it's what's interesting is, you know, Daniel Jones, we never really took him to be this kind of guy. And the Giants are riding, you know, momentum. From who but Brian DeBole, who worked with who? Josh Allen. And suddenly, you know, Daniel Jones is being like revived and he doesn't look bad at all. He looks like actually a decent quarterback right now. I don't want to say Brian DeBole is turning him into Josh Allen, but is it weird the way he's producing is kind of mimicking Josh Allen? Like, obviously, the passing isn't there, but the running and the design run play seem to be like. You know, Josh Allen esque. So Brian also, definitely had a big part. He's a he has a big hand in helping Daniel Jones to where he's at right now. Yeah, and, and look at the interceptions. Only th- only two thrown uh, interceptions this year, yeah. which I'm very surprised about. To be honest with you, like forget about touchdown to interception ratio. He threw the ball a lot this year, and he only had th- two interceptions. So that itself is impressive for me. Yeah. So it seems yeah, like right. game manager with some rushing ability. Yeah, it seems like Brian DeBole has like tamed the beast of Daniel Jones. It's like, okay, I understand. <laughs> I understand you want to run the ball. Let's run it smart. You know, let's let's make smart runs. Let's do design runs instead of having you have to improvise the whole time. We're not going to ask him to do too much to the air, and it's not. It's been working for them, you know. And that, they're not going to ask him to do, do too much to the air. It's keeping the Giants on the field where historically they haven't been on the field because of Daniel Jones. And now, you know, Daniel Jones gets ten carries a game. You know, you're looking at sixty yards easy. I think that is a bit is a big reason. Like again, you know, obviously this is a little off topic, but just the Giants overall, what they're doing, what Brian DeBole is doing, it seems like, you know, it's really working. I also talked about Wando Robinson, you know, most likely leading the Giants this week in targets. That's exactly yeah. what happened this week. He caught six of eight targets for 50 yards. He'll be a solid PPR wide receiver. Three flex for you for now. I think his value can increase moving forward. 78% wrap participation. He is their sl- slot wide receiver right now. So very solid play at this point. Um, I can see his route participation going up a little bit more next week, assuming they run all, almost exclusively 11 personnel. Um, so, you know, just keep starting Wanda Robinson if you need the help as a low-end 
PPR wide receiver three flex play. Yeah. So, uh, so moving on to Indy, 10 carries for Jonathan Taylor. Um, the Colts, you know, they have been running more pass plays. He did end up catching seven of eight targets, but only racked up 27 yards on those receptions. So not great. Uh, but he didn't see his full role. Uh, only 55% of snaps this week. I guess the positive is that he was pretty involved in the pass game. When they did pass it, he was getting targets. Are, are you worried about Taylor at all right now? Or is he just a little rusty? Didn't get his normal role? Still banged up? Are we still buying low? What is your feel for Taylor at this point? Compared to preseason expectations, I would say, okay, yeah, I'm starting to be a little bit concerned. But given context, you know, he's missed a couple of weeks and he's coming back. You know, obviously they took a little extra time to bring him back to make sure that he was 100%. It's, it wasn't a bad performance for Jonathan Taylor. You know, obviously the receiving work buoyed him and kept you from being hung out to dry. You know, if he catches two passes, it's going to look more like half the production that we saw, you know, seven, seven points more like than 15 in PPR. But I think this kind of leaves the door open for a buy low. You know, I think if he gets in the end zone, it's not really a buy low anymore. But like you said, yeah, um, 15.5 points isn't anything to be excited about, but it's also not anything to be mad about. Um, We know Jonathan Taylor hasn't been the same guy that he's been in the past. So, you know, I, I think that you could buy low on him right now i'm not exactly excited about his prospect to return to 2021 form but i do think that his ceiling is much better than what he's been doing you know recently yeah i think he's still a buy low and and this is another opportunity to do so um he only played on 55 percent of the snaps still had solid fantasy day you know didn't kill you so i'm i'm more than happy to buy him if, if i need to run it back aaron jones finally came through 10 targets in this game on top of his eight carries uh, AJ Dillon only saw four carries in this game. He is unstartable right now. He is simply yeah. a handcuff. He'll get the carries in some games, but he's touchdown dependent and he has been scoring touchdowns. This offense is not looking as good. Aaron Rodgers could not move the ball against the Washington, which is absolutely inexcusable for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, yeah. Alan Lazard, he suffered a shoulder injury in this game. He left the game, didn't return. You know, you got to think that Romeo Dubs would benefit against going up against this perimeter defense of the of Washington, he ran the most routes of any of these Packers wide receiver and receivers and put up a donut in a good matchup. Okay. And it's amazing yeah. that Rodgers couldn't get anything going for this entire game against his defense. You know, until the end of the game where Aaron Jones was able to, you know, he found the end zone. Um especially at the end of that game when he found when he kind of walked that tightrope along the side, uh, uh along the left side there and, and got into the end zone. But this was not an, a good outing for the Packers overall. No, no, it wasn't. And, you know, we knew that the receiver problems would really come into focus, uh, at least somewhat, you know, this season with Devontae Adams departing. But it seems like he had all their mojo, you know, for the Packers offense. And he's gone now. And the offense doesn't look the same. Aaron Rodgers, you know, he the stat sheet will tell you he was relatively, like, all right. You know, 23-35 isn't necessarily perfect. But 194 yards, two touchdowns. You know, mistake-free football from Aaron Rodgers. Just they're not producing at all. You know, the the Packers are not the same. The offense. You know, I know Aaron Rodgers made comments about um, Matt Lafleur needing to simplify the playbook or something like that over yeah. the week. And they said, "Let's see how the simplified playbook looks." Uh, it looked pretty simple. Just throw it to running backs and don't take many shots. You know, <laughs> it didn't look like the Packers' offense was doing what they 
usually do, and that's make plays. Um, I know that they're a little shorthanded at wide receiver. There's not so much chemistry between any of the receivers and Aaron Rodgers, but it's not really – it's not conducive to fancy anymore. <laughs> you know, Aaron, Rod- Aaron Rodgers is getting the ball out, but he's not targeting any one guy. Um, it- it's just – it's rough, <laughs> you know, especially if you drafted um, anyone besides Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones just had his first good week in a few weeks. Like, I'm not really trusting anybody on this Packers offense. Are you? Are you? Are you trading Aaron Jones right now? Are yeah, you trying I'm to sell him? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 100. I feel like you have to because you look at his performance the past few weeks: seven points, ten points, fourteen points, five points, and that's with AJ Dillon not even really contributing the past few weeks. You know, he hasn't yeah. had the type of workload where you think, okay, well, maybe we can explain part of that away by saying A.J. Dillon's taking carries or he's getting this work that Aaron Jones isn't. That hasn't been the case. It's been the offense. It it just hasn't been good. All right, so we're selling Aaron Jones. Cool. On the the other side of the ball, Brian Robinson, he got 20 carries for 73 yards, right? That's a good sign for him. But production-wise, he's pretty much like the Zeke Elliott or the James Robinson of this offense. While Antonio Gibson is the Tony Pollard or the Travis Etienne of this offense, G- Gibson took his own ten carries for fifty-nine yards. He caught three for eighteen and a touchdown, looking like a wide receiver. He almost had a second touchdown as a wide receiver. I I would sell Brian Robinson right now if I can. Only forty-seven percent of snaps. Uh, Antonio Gibson was still very involved and looked good. Gibson mm-hmm. saw two of the three goal line snaps. Okay, he ran eight routes. Uh, McKissick ran nine. Gibson ran. No, I'm sorry. It was Brian Robinson who ran eight routes, McKissick ran nine routes, and then Gibson ran 12 routes. So this is a three-man timeshare where, you know, you happen to have a game script where you could have ran this type of game for Brian Robinson, right, where Brian Robinson could still get 20 carries with Antonio Gibson getting 10 himself. So yeah, they're going to want to have this type of game, you know, given their quarterback situation. But in most games, teams are going to be up on Washington. They're not going to be mm-hmm. able to play the Packers every week, which is – I just wanted to say that because it sounded funny and yeah. it's true. Um, so I personally, like, if I can, I don't think Brian Robinson has a ceiling at all. So, and I think Gibson is better. And I think that he's going to be involved throughout this entire season. And this offense isn't going to be that good. So for those reasons, I'm going to try to package up Brian Robinson, not be the main piece, again, be the side piece in a deal where you're trading two for one, where you're putting in a, a legit asset with Brian Robinson to upgrade that from that legit asset. That's kind of how I'm looking at this, this situation right now. I, I think that's exactly the way I would treat it. You know, obviously Brian Robinson, it's been, it's, it's a great story, you know, with him coming back from getting shot and, you know, yes. he's, he looked pretty good um, these past few weeks, but the truth is, like you said, Antonio Gibson, you know, after everyone was writing him off that he wasn't going to get the touches anymore. I think Antonio Gibson may have had his time in Washington kind of saved at least this season because Brian Robinson wasn't able to play the first few weeks. Because this general sentiment around the commander's backfield was that Brian Robinson was going to be the guy and Antonio Gibson was really losing out. You know, he was losing favor with the coaching staff. That hasn't been the case anymore. You know, it seems like Antonio Gibson, they found a way to use him in the receiving game. I think that Antonio Gibson would benefit from lining up at receiver a little bit. You know, I think he might have been... Was he a converted receiver to running back? he used to be a receiver. Yeah, so it's not surprising to see that. Um, he may be better utilized in that way. It seems like they have designs on continuing to use him in that way. We just saw it this week. And he looks more explosive than Brian Robinson. Obviously, Brian Robinson, he could be a hammer free at the goal line. He could be an early down back to pick up a couple of yards on first down. But 
Brian Robinson is a playmaker like Antonio Gibson is. And J.D. McKissick has the role advantage in like moving forward because we assume that Washington is going to be down in a few games moving forward. And if it's a passing game script, it'll be J.D. McKissick or Antonio Gibson. Um, I think this might be – and you don't want to doubt anybody as much as it's going to sound like I'm about to doubt him. This might be the ceiling for Brian Robinson already, you know, in terms of fantasy. Yeah. Play. Yeah, that's kind of how I look at it too. 20 carries, like I don't see him seeing getting more than 20 carries in any game this year uh, yeah. or even hitting 20 in any game this year unless, you know, Antonio Gibson is, is out for that game, right? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Okay, let's move on to the Denver, another backfield that's kind of a mess, Denver, right? So much yeah. for Melvin Gordon getting the work in this game. It was mainly a two-man split between Gordon and Latavius Murray, and Mike Boone was pretty involved too until he hurt his ankle in the first half. If Boone misses time, uh, Gordon will be more appealing because he'll get the pass and down work. But Latavius Murray did get the only goal line snap that they had. But yeah. the Jets are five and two. That's the takeaway that in, in this game. That's yeah. the takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, the, yeah, so it's, it's a little bit of a mess though. I, I'm trying to avoid this backfield if I can because the offense isn't even that good. Yeah, the Broncos' offense is not good enough. I, I'm not a fan of any of the players on the Broncos' offense outside. You know, obviously, Cortland Sutton, I've been talking about how he hasn't let you out to dry for the first few weeks, and he's done it two weeks in a row now. Obviously, outside of his control, really, and he was matched up against Sauce Gardner. You know, so that that's yeah. that's a tough Sauce matchup. Sauce is looking good, man. Yeah. Sauce is looking good. Yeah. He's like, you, like you look at all down. of the – and you see those graphics that they keep putting up on TV, like of all the all the wide receivers that they went up against and all yeah. the wide receivers that he – you know it, you know what it reminds me of? Did you ever see that Darrell Revis? Yes, graphic. it reminds me of Darrell. No, I, I didn't see that. Is it similar? Well, there's a graphic that shows like the guys that Darrell Revis has played against, and it's a ridiculous list. Like, oh yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I haven't seen that recently, but it reminds me of when I used to see that. Like when yeah. I used to see the, that mm-hmm. graphic with Darrell Revis with all these top name wide receivers. So super similar, and I'm hoping that you know Sauce can continue doing his thing because is he? He seems like a great guy, and like you know, I'm. He seems like somebody who can be a big personality in New York. And yeah. uh, you know, I would love that. I would love that. So I'm, I'm, I'm wishing the best for him, hoping that he can continue to dominate. Yeah. See, I'd love to talk about defensive players a little bit. We should just do a defensive talk episode, just an episode or day where you just nice. step away from fantasy football. You know, maybe over the off season, and just talk about you know. How about this? A bit, how about we? How, why don't we just add uh, an IDP like a- episode or something like that? Yeah, we could know, do that. that we, we could do something like that because there's a market for it, right? I'm sure a lot of people, like maybe a small percentage of our audience, maybe plays IDP and we'll bring in some new people who are yeah. into IDP, but stuff, right? So, yeah, yeah, you should think about that. Um, Greg Dulcich had a 71% route participation. He is the new tight end for the Broncos, not Albert O anymore. So, so good enough, you know, to get some consistent usage out of him. Five, six catches for 51 yards on nine targets. Uh, he is somebody that should be picked up if you need a tight end. He's a young tight end already producing, you know, in his second game as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Not not something that you see often. All right. And, so he's somebody that should be picked up. And with some trash quarterback play, I might add. Yeah. For both Russell Wilson and Brett Rippon. <laughs> so, obviously, you don't expect much from Brett Rippon, you know, and we weren't expecting much from him, you know, today, but he still got it done and he's producing and I'm we're not going to say this is like a very high standard, but he's producing like David Njoku-esque right now. You know, he's putting up solid performances. So in a world where tight ends are few and far between, you know, he could be a solid starter for you. Josh Jacobs, man, consistently going in the fifth round of fantasy drafts and is now looking like a league winner. High-end yeah. RB1 right now. 
uh, that you drafted at a serious discount. 20 carries for 143 yards and three touchdowns in this game. He also caught three of four targets, uh, 80% of snaps. That's three straight games for Josh Jacobs with 80% or more snap share, 140 rushing yards, and 30 or more PPR fantasy points. The dude is balling out of his mind right now. Yeah, just ridiculous. And you have to wonder, you know, where was this his whole career? <laughs> like suddenly Josh Jacobs is a fantasy mainstay and a huge fantasy asset, you know, week in and week out. Maybe he just wasn't getting the usage. Obviously, the usage was it hasn't necessarily been there his whole career, but this is just like nobody has an answer for him, regardless of who it was. And it was the Texans, you know, that they were playing against. But to have a streak of 30 plus fantasy points back to back to back, you know, that's difficult, especially in an offense that has Darren Waller and Devontae Adams. Obviously, Darren Waller didn't play. But um, Devontae Adams, you know, and Mac Holland suddenly being a receiver that Derek Carr likes to throw to. Um, you know, I, I, it's interesting to me. I think that this is, you know, just good news. Like, you can't really analyze this. He's just going on a tear right now. <laughs> you know, just over the past three weeks, he's had a ridiculous amount of work, right? So he he's not getting that, you know, every single year. His, his role completely changed. He's getting the two-minute offense. He's, he's staying on the field and passing downs, 80% of snaps. Not something that Josh Jacobs has been seeing. So continue to start him every single week. Top five fantasy running back moving forward until anything changes. Yeah, and it's funny. The narrative around Josh Jacobs last season was that he was good for more than eight points, but less than 24 points. And that was how <laughs> it worked, you know? And then it, 24 op- points was a lot. Yeah. Well, he, op- he opened the, the season, the first three weeks, fitting that narrative eight points nine points 14 points it was looking like more of the same and then suddenly just out of nowhere 34 30 36 what mm-hmm. like they just decided that I, I guess josh mcdaniels was like all right he's pulling straws at this point just to see what he could do to save his job and it looks like he may have bought himself some time you know just by handing the ball off to uh josh jacobs i, I think that there's really no way to explain this it's just i didn't see this coming at all and i'm just happy to see that it's continuing you know i'm as a football fan you gotta love seeing this Another thing you got to love is Kenneth Walker, man. 23 carries, oh, yeah. carries 168 yards and two touchdowns, 75% of snaps, 65% route participation, which is super interesting to see because his pass catching profile out of college, not something that translated well over to the NFL, but 65% route participation is exactly what you want for your running back. Um, he also played in the two minute offense, which means that they like his pass catching ability. So that was great to see. This is an RB1. Yeah type of profile he's playing like an rb1 in terms of production as well he's in your lineup every single week yeah and without a doubt there's no reason you should have kenneth walker out of your lineup in any instance now moving forward unless he's injured i mean you know dj dallas it looks like he got a couple carries they were at the end of the game after kenneth walker um ripped off the 74 yard touchdown and even before that touchdown you know it was already a solid game for him but that just put him over the top We've seen that before. He has a bunch of long runs, but that was like the explosive run, like the exclamation point that Kenneth Walker is going to be that guy, <laughs> pal. You know, oh, as yeah. you can see on our little overlay. Um, <laughs> he, he, he is, is that going, guy, pal. Yes, he is going to be that guy for your fantasy team moving forward. Um, there's not a world where he doesn't start for you unless he's injured. This is awesome. League winning waiver wire pickup, and I'm happy I actually got him in one of my leagues. So. That's awesome. Now, Brees Hall, on the other hand, unfortunately, seemed to have tore his ACL. And we talked about this to start the episode. That is what is feared right now, not confirmed just yet. And that's what the initial prognosis is, that he did tear his ACL. He ripped off that huge long touchdown in the game. Um, you know, we were declaring him the 
dynasty RB1 after that run. And unfortunately, yeah. it had to come to a screeching halt. Um, you know, wishing the best for him and his recovery. I do worry about him next year. Am I going to be targeting him in fantasy drafts? I don't think so. But in the meantime, Michael Carter, unless the Jets make a move for a running back, which is very possible given their situation right now, they're, they're, they have a pretty good chance of making the playoffs right now, more than 60% chance of making the playoffs. Um, and they might want to continue to try to run the ball. So there are some running backs available. Kareem Hunt, right? Um, yeah. Damian Harris. I doubt the Patriots make an in-division trade, but there are some running backs available that they could kind of pick up and potentially have as their workhorse on early downs. You know, maybe splitting a little bit with Michael Carter, but Michael Carter just got pushed to a starting role. He played on 73% of snaps in this game. I am going to be ranking him as a solid RB2 next week, most likely. And, mm-hmm. you know, if I see the Jets are willing to give him 20 opportunities or so, I'll move him up. If I see they're using him extensive, extensively in the past game as well, you know, I'll move him up. But, but for now, I would say solid RB2 on a not-so-great offense anymore. Yeah. And as we're talking about it, um, the sleeper alert just came up. I don't know if you got it. That no, MRI it. confirmed Jets running back, Brees Hall, suffered a torn ACL. No. So there it is. The nail Brutal. in the coffin. Brutal. Ch- change this overlay now. You know. Brutal. <laughs> we he can't. has torn his ACL. Sucks. Yeah. That sucks. All right. No, that, that, yeah. But um, with Brees Hall, just uh, one last note before I go on. Uh, in true, you know, fantasy um, get league winning fashion, Brees Hall did not leave you out to dry. He got injured after he ran that long touchdown in. He still produced for your team this week, even though he yeah. missed a lot of time. So, you know, it's a great off. way to go out, yeah, uh, you, you know, go out of the year like that with, with that type of game, you know, after yeah. that long run. It was going to be a huge game, I think. I think so too. Man, sucks. All right, moving forward. More bad news. DK Metcalf seems to have suffered a knee injury. Is, is there any update on that one? I don't know if I... I think there I, was. Okay, so, so go ahead. And, Pete Carroll and, and says they got a, quote, really good report on DK Metcalf, and they doesn't need surgery. A patellar tendon injury may have been an older injury. Unclear what the timeline is. Metcalf is determined to practice Wednesday, but... Wow. And then it, it runs out. So I, I got to see what the rest of this report says. Wow, that is impressive. Not sure it'll happen, but it says he's determined to practice. So that would be really good news after seeing him get carted off. Yeah, that is good news. Let's see. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems like there is a potential uh, chance. Um, I still Carroll wouldn't is, be surprised it, if he missed a game. Yeah, I, I, I mean, Pete Carroll is the most optimistic person in the world. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but but this is good news, man. This is really, really good news. Like, the fact that he got carted off, right? Uh, some people were worried that it was an ACL mechanism that mm-hmm. that happened there, right? So that was the worst case scenario. So the fact that DK Metcalf doesn't have an ACL injury, that's amazing. Um, if he can play next week, wow. That would be some shit right there. I literally, yeah. speaking of shit, I literally thought that, you know, maybe he was getting carted yeah. off because of that. I was, you know, maybe he had to use the bathroom <laughs> yeah. again, right? But that, that wasn't the case. So like, yeah. you know, it was a more serious issue than For, number two. Yeah. For our Instagram post today, obviously for the takeaways, I was going to suggest that we put like, you know, DK Carter off, not shit this time. But like, <laughs> I didn't know how we would fit that or something. I, I, I feel like it might have been a little, uh, it might have been a little insensitive in case he did in fact tear yeah, his ACL. Right. Like it would have been yeah, a insensitive. You. But now the fact, not, now that we know that like he didn't tear his ACL, like that could have worked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, but that that might have been, <laughs> that would have been funny. <laughs> all right, all right. Moving forward, uh, so you know, Marquise Goodwin would have been a waiver wire pickup for me because 
uh, like I said, you know, Geno Smith, whatever he touches turns to gold. And, you know, he yeah. had two touchdowns in this game. And I would take a chance on him. Even though he's an older wide receiver, he did run the most routes of any other wide receiver not, in, not named Tyler Lockett. So I would have just, you know, threw it out there just in case you're in a deep league and you need some wide receiver help. You never know. Because Geno is attacking. He's aggressive. He's throwing the ball down the field. And, you know, I would have took a shot. But anyway, it seems like DK would be fine. I would just leave. Um, you know, Goodwin on the wave wire. He should be good. Tyler Lockett, he, he looked good as well in this game. Um, surprisingly, he was able to play just fine and run all the routes despite not practicing at all this past week. But yeah. go figure. Now, in the same game, Mike Williams, after having a pretty good game, he suffered some sort of ankle injury himself. That didn't look too good. Do we have an update no. on that one? I didn't see not anything yet. from that one. They are on the West Coast. So they are on the West I Coast. I won't hear on that for another two hours. It's very possible. Now, you know, DK Metcalf is also on the West Coast. Maybe they woke up early. Uh, but they to wanted to figure that out that was immediately. They knew us fantasy managers were really, you know, we're sitting here with our cheeks clenched, hoping that, <laughs> you know, it's not an ACL tear or something. But um, yeah, well, you know, hopefully it's nothing too serious for Mike Williams. It didn't look good, though, right? Like, you no. have to assume that it was probably like a high ankle injury or something like that, um, but we'll get more news on that. Keenan Allen was back. He played a role in the first half, but hardly played the second half. Uh, he was on a snap count. He'll obviously be this, the guy after the bye, but you know, if if Michael Williams were to miss some time, then Josh Palmer would right, likely you know be a, a beneficiary uh, on the outside and you know potentially getting some targets uh, behind Keenan Allen, behind Austin Eckler. And then Gerald Everett, he's going to command some targets as well. So, you know, this offense also isn't like the most, the best offense right now. You know, yeah. Justin Herbert isn't playing like Justin Herbert. There's something going on there. But for now, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, and Gerald Herbert are the main fantasy, uh, I would say, uh, weapons. I wouldn't even say beneficiaries because, like, you know, honestly, I don't even know if these guys are going to get extra targets because Mike Williams is out. You know what I mean? Like maybe mm-hmm. Everett might get an extra target or two, you know, especially in, near, near the red zone. But yeah, that's about it, really. The thing that I know, you know, with Gerald Everett is that, you know, he's kind of been a favorite target so far this season for Justin Herbert, even with Nine the targets. receivers, with the receivers in and out of the lineup. He's kind yeah. of been a favorite target. So like I, I'm and I have foolishly started Kyle Pitts over him many times this year, especially this last week. But um, he will continue to get it done for you. He's another one of those, you know, solid tight ends for you. In a world where tight ends are few and far between. That's, I'm going to yeah. keep using that expression. Austin Eckler, though, he's he's continuing to ball out. 77% of snaps in this game. That was a season high. It's a good thing. You know, I had uh, someone DM me this morning. And they said, hey, man, question. After week three, when Austin Eckler went off, he didn't do his thing in week one or week two. But in week three, he went off. But you, you you didn't recommend selling him. Why not? And I thought that was a good question, right? It's like in week one and week two, he wasn't doing his thing. But in week three, he balls out. Why, don't we, why didn't we want to sell him? It's because we didn't have – it was a very small sample size of him not doing his thing. And we knew that the Chargers needed him. We knew that his role was going to increase. And that's literally what's happening right now. His role has increased. He's been targeted – like crazy over the last four weeks. Yeah. Um, and he's he's going to break, if he, if this rate continues of him getting targeted, him getting all these receptions, he's going to break the record pretty easily for targets and receptions to running backs this year. Um, he's the PPR RB1 right now. He's been the PPR RB1 for a couple weeks. And like, I don't see this stopping, dude. Like the way that 
the way that um, uh, Justin Herbert's playing right now, all he's doing is chucking it down. Like he's yeah. not throwing the ball down the field at all. No, that's 100% true. And you say he's the RB1. I'm actually looking at right now on Sleeper in four point passing touchdown. He's the number one overall player. Obviously, Josh Allen had his bye, but he's the number one overall player right now. So that, that tells you all you need to know about even with you know, even, even with quarterbacks. Yes, like, with quarterback. Included. Number one overall, wow. it says right now on Sleeper in four point passing touchdown. He's number one. Yep. Um, that's pretty easy to do. He's had <laughs> four straight weeks over 24 points and five. Not what's called four straight weeks over 24 points, and three of those four weeks he's been over 34 points. I mean, it's all been in the passing game. You know, this fantasy offense, this game script, the way that Justin Herbert's playing has been all just all roads lead to Austin Eckler in this offense. It seems like you know, game script, just the way Justin Herbert's playing, it's going to be Austin Eckler getting a bunch of targets as long as he keeps doing that. You know, he's in for big days. Um, he has his bye week next week, so we'll probably see him fall from that number one overall podium. But Austin Eckler, you know, you say about why didn't we say to sell? We know who Austin Eckler is. We know who he did last season. And he's looking like he's getting that work back, kind of. Yep. At least now, in the form of targets. Yeah. For sure. It was reported overnight between Saturday and Sunday, like right before the game, that Isaiah Pacheco would receive the start for the Chiefs. And he did. Um, but that led him to only play two more snaps than Clyde was hilarious. He still got out snapped by Jerick McKinnon, 28 to 18. And it was CEH who ended up scoring in this game yeah. uh, from this backfield. So we have to be careful with these type of reports and not jump the gun and just assume that because they're saying that Pacheco is starting, that doesn't mean that he's going to get all the touches, right? right. Um, and if you tuned into the lives in the morning or if you tuned into my stories on Instagram, like you knew not to overhype the situation. It was still a three-man rotation even with Pacheco scoring. I'm sorry, even with you know CEH scoring and Pacheco starting. Um, and, you know, listen, the, the, I think the work can potentially start moving in Pacheco's favor, um, more of the work going in his favor. But he's still right now, he's not anything more than a flex play, than an yeah. upside flex play. Right. Like if that like if I put him in my lineup, I'd be very, very concerned that his floor is just extremely low right now. Um, yeah. And just keep in mind, like he only saw eight total opportunities in this game, like a game that was back and forth and very high scoring. So mm -hmm. all this really did was just hurt CEH even more. That's really yep. all it did. And nothing has changed. Let, let, make no mistake. Anything that happened in this game, you know, nothing has changed in this Chiefs backfield. I just look at it, you know, it's the same story. The pages are the same, but the cover is different. Instead of it being Clyde Edwards-Alaire, it's Isaiah Pacheco. And then you open the book, it's the exact same thing. <laughs> the exact same <laughs> game plan. Nothing's changed. It just took the cover off and put a different one on. That's the way I look at it. It's the exact same situation. I don't want a piece of any of these um, Chiefs running backs unless I'm in a pinch. I did pick up Pacheco just in case that yeah, report didn't blow as you things. Should. Just in case that report didn't blow things out of proportion, but right now it looks like it did. You know, it's definitely thing. needs a roster. He's a must roster right now for yeah. sure, for sure, because that that it can change. But he's 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 yet. not like falling out of favor. He could definitely you know, move up and get more work. It's just, it has to happen first. Obviously. Yes. It has to happen first before you trust them. Exactly. Um, so we we're only already over the hour bark, but I just want to mention a couple things. Christian McCaffrey, he made his debut with the 49ers, eight carries, two targets, played 22 snaps, which is literally right around what Jake Glazer reported him to play. Um, but he had 62 total yards on 29% of snaps. So he's yeah. going to be able to do his thing on the 49ers. He's an RB one start next week. Remember when we were, we said we should be buying low on Juju? Yeah. 
He caught seven for 124 yards and a touchdown on eight targets, all of which led the team. Uh, we did say the touchdowns were coming. And remember, it's not like this just started over the last two weeks. Week one, eight targets, six for 79. Week three, five for 89 on eight targets. Solid, just didn't get the touchdowns. We did feel pretty discouraged after the Raiders game, right? He yeah. put in, he put a couple duds up, but it seems like he might have been banged up for that one. Um, you think Juju has been upgraded to a wide receiver two, or is he still a wide receiver three right now? He does have a great schedule coming up after the bye. Tennessee, Jacksonville, Chargers, and Rams. I think he's still a wide receiver three for me. One more week, we'll do it. Um, I'm it, The offense definitely looks like it's running more through Juju. Now they're getting him more involved. But um, yeah, I, I think he's wide receiver three right now but i think that the wide receiver two upside is now there yeah and obviously he's performed really well he's been more of a wide receiver one the past two weeks but um you know he's getting it done now it looks like him and patrick mahomes are starting to build a little bit, build a little bit more chemistry i think it's funny that we spent like the whole first three four weeks of the season telling you to buy low and then week five when we finally say okay maybe it's time to give up now he does it it's like he's just waiting yeah. for us the fans community be like okay let's get our hands up <laughs> juju smith schuster i bet a right. bunch of people dropped him and then he had these games and someone else is just massive power shift now because, you know, he went from one team to another because someone, you know, gave up on Juju. But it, regardless, good news for Juju's Schuster. Um, it looks like going into the bye, he's going to continue to be a big part of the offense. Moving on to the Steelers, uh, Pat Frymuth, he returned to a 75% rap participation. He caught uh, eight of 75 yards on nine targets. He is an every week tight end one right now until further notice. Yeah. And, yeah, that that that's bottom line. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. That, that's, and, that's about and, it. And that's, that's going to do it for the show. That's going to do yeah. it for the show, guys. We appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Rate and review the podcast, please, if you can, on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Uh, appreciate you guys. If you can share this podcast with a friend, even if they're in your league, I get it. Not easy to do. That would mean the world to us as well. Uh, appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. And we'll see you guys tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, live on YouTube and then available later on the day in the podcast uh, on podcast form on all, all platforms. We're going to go over the waiver wire, all the waiver wire pickups for this week. Thank you guys so much. See you later. Peace.